Let thine everlasting light shine upon us sinners through the prayers of the Theotokos, O giver of light. Glory to thee. Yes. Ah, look at that. President just told me we weren't saying anything. What in the world? <laughs> okay. Let's, <laughs> let's start over. <laughs> Welcome. My name is Father Athanasios Heros. I am the dean here at St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Tarpon Springs, Florida, and I'm your host for Be Transfigured Ministries. When I get to reproduce this for the, for the audio podcast, we're going to have to cut out those few minutes of total silence since my microphone was off. Anyway, thank you, Presidenta, for telling me that my microphone was off. I appreciate that. So if you're new to our Bible study, welcome. And if you're uh, coming back, welcome back. All right, so tonight we have session 31, homily 30. And if you're new, let me tell you how it works. There is a study guide on my website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org. And you click on the word Bible study and a whole series of Bible studies will show up for 1 Corinthians. And you'll press the button for session 31. In the study guide, there's a link to the homily. I strongly suggest that you read the homily in advance. Do you know, did you get a study guide for tonight? Uh, and that way we get the most out of our time together. I don't read the entire study guide to you. We will read the scripture passage and then we get little snippets, little inspiration from St. John Chrysostom. And then that's what I call the text analysis. Then the second part of the Bible study, uh, which is equally important, sometimes I even think more beneficial, is what I call the life application. St. John Chrysostom, normally inspired by sometimes one word or one verse, will go into a teaching, a moral teaching, that I call life application. I have said so many times that even if we memorize the scriptures, if it does not somehow change the way we live, it is a useless exercise. And so St. John Chrysostom helps us to have a better understanding of how that works. Okay, so we do have a live chat if you're new and you have to be watching on YouTube. If you're watching on my website, that's fine. But then you, in order to participate in the live online chat, you have to be watching on YouTube. And in the bottom right corner of your screen, it should say view on YouTube or open your app or something like that. And as long as you have an account, you'll be able to participate in the live chat. Presvideravasi, my wife, is moderating the chat room and every now and then she'll send me a text message. She couldn't be here to this evening, but she'll send me a text message to bump questions onto the conversation. So we'll do our best for that. Um, one final thing, you may have seen a commercial when you logged on tonight or as you're watching the videos after the fact, if you're binge watching Bible study with Father Athanasios, we are currently doing a fundraiser to eliminate all ads on our website, I mean on our uh, Bible study. And so you'll see a donation button on the screen that you're watching tonight live and anytime on YouTube. Feel free to make a donation 
or you can uh, make a donation through a super chat or you can go to our website live a new life in Christ dot org slash give and you can participate in our campaign to eliminate and make and keep be transfigured ad free our ministry depends upon your generosity so we're always appreciative for that all right i think did i forget anything i think i got it all okay so i don't remember if i said it while i had no microphone or after we will have bible study for the rest of november and then we will take a break uh in december through the holidays and come back sometime after the new year so be watching uh on my website and subscribe and you'll be getting the notices as we endeavor for that let's see who's online we have philip from macedonia we have denise from virginia we have i don't know where josh is from josh let us know who you're where you are and then uh, we'll go from there let's go ahead and start with our prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit shine within our hearts loving master the pure light of your divine knowledge and open the eyes of our minds that we may comprehend the message of your gospel. Instill in us also reverence for your blessed commandments so that having conquered sinful desires, we may pursue a spiritual life, thinking and doing all those things which are pleasing to you. For you, Christ, our God, and light of our souls and bodies, until we give glory together with your Father, who is without beginning in your all holy, good, and life-giving spirit, always, now, and forever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Okay, so because we took a month off, the homework was, do you remember what the homework was? Read the entirety of 1 Corinthians every week. Who was able to do the homework? You got it? You got a little bit of it done? Okay. Uh, the benefit for that, for those of you watching at home, is that it allows us to internalize not just the scriptures in general but the book that we're studying because when you're looking at one verse at a time and one verse at a time you lose the shape of the entire scripture so it's good to read the entire book without stopping to take notes just read it to absorb it and you see saint paul's flow and you get to appreciate where the topic is going and where it's leading to. Oh, Josh is from Houston, Texas. So we have people from all over. So it's good to have everyone with us. Okay, so session 31, homily 30. Tonight's session is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. Uh, we are still, I'm going to have to order new microphones, by the way. This has not been my my lucky time when it comes to microphones obviously so we are still without audience mics so connor you have the loudest voice in the room i'm gonna uh, seraphim i keep calling you connor i'm sorry i'm gonna call seraphim uh if you can read good and loud verses 12 through 20. for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, 
where would be the smell of it? But now God has set the members of each one of them in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. All right, so uh, you'll see in the study guide that I've, I've broken up which verses are covered by which sections in the homily. By the way, the section numbers in the study guide are how the editor of the homily has broken out the, the homily. So if you want to look in the homily itself for where these quotes are, these are the section numbers. So section one of the homily covers verse 12. And just as a reminder, verse 12 says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. All right, so we have a few points here to help us see where things are going. So point number one, different gifts doesn't mean, there's a typo there, it doesn't mean lesser gifts. Here's what Chrysostom says here. For nothing so consoles the person of small spirit and inferior gifts, or so persuades him not to grieve as the being convinced that he is not left without less than his share, right? So different gifts do not mean lesser gifts. And I think that right there, we could, we could solve all of America's problems with that one statement, right? Because we are wrapped up in our society where our differences make us better or worse or superior or inferior. Well, we're just different, and different's okay. It doesn't mean greater or lesser, and this is what he's talking about. Of course, he's addressing the schisms of the church and within the church, obviously, but taken to a broader sense, this is part of the American problem, is our desire for such uniformity that our society is trying to eliminate differences in people Right? Because people presume that difference makes greater or lesser. Different gifts do not mean lesser gifts. Point number two, difference is not the same as many. This is interesting too. If therefore the one is many and the many are one, where is the difference? Where the superiority? Where the disadvantage? Right? And so this is a beautiful thing and something that St. Paul and Chrysostom and he goes through it quite a bit uh, in, the next, in the next few homilies where he, he uses human logic to understand divine logic. And obviously there's a point there in that being as how we are in the image of God, God's divine logic is inside of us too. And so what makes sense in a greater, uh, greater human, human way makes sense sometimes too in the divine. Not always, but sometimes, because obviously we are fallen human beings. We're not perfect human beings. Number three, different is what brings the many together as one. Chrysostom says this, for none of them by itself can make a body, but each is alike deficient in the making of a body. And there is need of a coming together since when the many become one, then and not till then is there one body, right? So, and of course, St. Paul is going off in the foot and the eyes and the this and the that, but we're talking about the church, 
right? And so it is our individual members, us individual human beings, that the church is not, I want to say, comprised without us. We make the church, the church makes us. Right? And so all of us together make the church, not any one of us individually. But at the same time, as we're going to see later, we're also the entirety of the body together. So it's really kind of cool. Point number four, Christ and the church are one. But his meaning is this, so also is the body of Christ, which is the church. For as the body and the head are one man, so he said that the church and Christ are one. So this is some really solid understanding of the church from St. Paul. We are the body of Christ. It's not just a symbolic thing that we call ourselves the body of Christ. The church is the living presence of Christ on earth. Through our actions, through our acts of love, through our acts of devotion, through our acts of charity, Christ is brought to the people. Okay, so just as we combined make the church, the church and Christ are also the same. We are united to each other. So there's that really, remember, we talk about the sense of unity. We've been talking about this every week in my introduction. The church in Corinth was divided. The church in Antioch, when St. John Christum was preaching these Bible studies, was divided. America is divided, right? And so this theme of unity comes back and back and back. And in this case today, we're using our differences as a way to bring us into unity together. We're not complete without each other. The eye is just an eyeball. Somewhere he even says, right, without the head, the eye is useless. It can't even see. I think he says that somewhere in the homily, something like that, right? So without each other, we are also useless. We're just kind of floating around. Pretty good stuff tonight. All right, section 2, verses 13 and 14. Let me reread those. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Okay, so point number, number five in section two there in the homily. We were baptized to become one. Not many. We talked about this a couple, a couple sessions ago about the importance of our unity in our baptism. Chrysostom says this, For we are baptized not that so many several bodies might be formed, but that we might all preserve one with another the perfect nature of one body, i.e., that we might all be one body into the same we were baptized. Right? So again, our unity, our oneness because of our baptism. Point number six, it is our different gifts that make our unity special. 
Chris says, because there are many members and diverse, know that this very thing is the wonder and the peculiar excellency of the body. When the things which are many and diverse make one, for if they were not many, if it were not so wonderful and incredible that they should be one body, nay, rather, that they would not be a body at all. I just want to unpack this a little bit, right? Because he's comparing the different parts of the body and in our unity. The very fact that it is our differences that bring us together into unity is what makes it so amazing, right? Uh, it's not that we're all the same because then we wouldn't have the body, right? Where'd the hearing be? He goes on to see all that, but it, it's just that it's our differences coming together which makes the unity all that much more special. Because not only do we further depend upon each other, but we elevate each other because of our differences. And he goes on, if I remember the homily correctly, he talks about, you know, that the, the, the suffering of the foot is taken by the eye because the eye sees the suffering and there's that there's that beautiful uh, co-suffering there i think he talks about that later okay section number three verses 15 through 17. if the foot should say because i am not a hand i am not of the body is it therefore not of the body and if the ear should say because i am not an eye i am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Point number seven on the, on the study guide. We are all excluded. We are, we are not all excluded based on our different gifts. For if one being made inferior and the other superior does not allow their being of the body, the whole is done away. Do not say, therefore, I am not the body, because I am inferior. Ah, there's a question. All right, let me get back to this point. Let's see the question. Is St. Paul saying the same thing here as he did in his epistle to the Romans? Is that because it was a similar societal church situation there too? Denise, you have to be a little bit more specific what you're quoting in Romans, okay? I'm sorry, I can't. I can't jump that quickly in my mind to where you're connecting there. So give me some more information and I'll come back to it. Let's get back to the study guide. We, were not ex we, we are not all excluded because of our different gifts. So here it's like, well, I'll just read it again. For if one being made inferior and the other superior does not allow their being of the body, the whole is done away with. In other words, if, if their differences kept them out, right? If the eye, because it was different, kept out of the body, now the body is not whole. That's what he's saying here. So in our different gifts, and he'll go to gifts, I think next session we talk about the gifts, the next homily, is we go through our different gifts, the different things that God has given us, then the, the, the connection there 
is that if our differences leave us out, now the body is not complete. It's the differences that bring us together and complement each other. That's what makes the body unique and special. Otherwise, it's just a whole bunch of eyeballs sitting in a bowl, right? All right, they're trying to figure this out. But as we did, when you, um, when you get this, would you do me a favor and put up the quote she's talking about? Point number eight. We tend to compare ourselves to others who appear closer to us. This is an interesting one that, that uh, was brought out that I noticed. For because we are wont to envy not those who are very far above us, but those who are a little higher, therefore he also conducts his comparison thus. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? It's interesting. So, and, and if you go back and read the homily, the connection here is that he's not compare, he, he's not he's not suggesting the eye is looking very far away to compare itself to. He's like, ah, oh, the eye, the ear, the ear, the nose. It's all right here. It's all close by, and that's where he talks about we compare ourselves to those people who are kind of like us and close by. We tend not to look people that are very different from us and make ourselves superior. On the other hand, we tend to look kind of closer, the person who's just a little bit below us, and we kind of make ourselves superior, right? This is what he's talking about in his physical, as the, as the, as the, as the human body differs in those different stages from head all the way down to the toes. It's really an interesting, if you go back and read the homily, it's really an interesting connection that he has himself there. Okay, section number four, verse 18. Let me read it again real fast. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. That's the key here. We would not dare question God's, we should not dare question God's reasons and purpose. For though we have 10,000 reasons to give, we shall not be so able to show them that it is well done, as when we say that as the best artificer pleased, so it came to pass. For as it is expedient, so he wills it. The artificer, of course, here is God, right? And again, we're not really talking about eyes and ears, right? We're talking about human beings and their differences and their different talents and their gifts. And so here what Christum is saying, what St. Paul is saying is, how dare we question that God gives me one gift and you a different gift? How could we dare think that God doesn't know the best? Not only the best for me and for you, but the best for us to be able to support each other as if we know better than God. And yet, think about it, that's what we do every day. We continue to act as if we know better than God, right? And so whether it's the challenges that he allows in our life, whether it is the blessings, we're like, really God, this is what you think of me? But 
God knows better than we do. How can we question that? Right? And again, St. Paul's using the human body and Chrysostom goes on and makes that comparison, but we're really talking about us human beings. And the, the, the boldness that we have to, to suggest that we might know better than God. All right, here we go. So there's a quote here. Okay, yes, yeah, so the quote is from Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. Yeah, so of course there, St. Saint, uh, Saint Paul's not necessarily talking about church unity as much as he is gifts and the fact that the gifts play on each other. Here, it was more of a unity question as it was in Rome, okay? All right, I hope that answered your question, Denise. Let's move on to section five, verses 19 and 20. And then we'll move on to our life application. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he, oh, I read that one, I'm sorry, 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Okay, section number five, quote number 10. We are all equal in honor despite our differences. And that's where we really get screwed up as people. We think our differences make us better or worse. We are all equal in honor. Listen to what Chrysostom says here. Now what he means is, if there were not among you great diversity, you could not be a body. And not being a body, you could not be one. And not being one, you could not be equal in honor. <laughs> Isn't that great? Right? So he's actually saying, look, if you weren't different gifts, if you didn't have different talents, it would even be worse. Right? And so it's not that, that it, it's, it's all our differences. It's what gives us the honor. It's what helps us lift each other up. Now, keep in mind, the context, right, is the Eucharistic meal, right? This is what's going on in, in Corinth, right? The rich people were doing their thing, the poor people doing their thing, and what was supposed to be bringing them together wasn't bringing them together. That's the whole context of this section of, of Corinthians. What was supposed to unite, divided. And so here, the lesson from St. Paul and Chrysostom is that what is different is what unites us because that's what complements each other and would that we would you know live our daily lives this way not just in the church but even as a society you know um what was it it was um martin luther king jr um who said something to the effect of uh even if you're going to be a janitor, be a God-loving janitor, right? Because we can't survive without janitors, right? Everyone plays their function in society and doesn't make them love less value than anybody else because then, you know, we'd be walking around in piles of garbage. And so um, it's not just in the church that this, this makes sense, it's also just in life in general. Okay, so we move now into 
our life application. What time is it? 7.30. So our life application tonight, I'm calling caring for others is caring for ourselves. Right? So again, there's this, there's this connection. And it, you can find this in section six is where we are in the homily if you're trying to follow along. Point number 11. Do not grudge those who, whose gifts are greater or lesser. Now remember, not greater or lesser value, but greater or lesser gifts. These things then let us also consider and cast out all envy and neither grudge against them that have greater gifts nor despise them that possess the lesser. For thus had God willed, let us then not oppose ourselves. And remember, if our differences unite us and we despise the gifts in others, who are we really despising? ourselves because of our unity with each other because in our baptism we are one body so the opposite right is don't begrudge those gifts honor those gifts instead caring for others is caring for ourselves point number 12 our different gifts complement each other i think i mentioned that already so that even if you are inferior yet in this you have the advantage and though he be greater, he is worse off in this respect. And so equality takes place. I don't remember the context of this in, in the, um, I don't have the homily with me tonight. Um, do me a favor, um, Simon, do you have the homily to, this homily with you? No, okay. Does anybody have it with him tonight? Just, I can't remember the, the parallel that Chrysostom was making there in, in, in uh, section six, but I'll have to go back and read it myself. See that even, even I, the brilliant one, I'm just kidding. Even I mean, all of us, we, we tend to, to forget. Huh? Hom no, homily, uh, homily 30. Anybody have it with them tonight? You do? Go to section six. Um, where he says, so that even if you are inferior, yet this you have the advantage. I'm trying to remember the, the, the comparison that he was making there. So that even if you are inferior, yet in this you have the advantage. And though he be greater, he is worse off in this respect, and so equality takes place. Yeah, keep going. For in the body, even the little members seem to contribute no little, but the great ones themselves are often injured by them. Okay. By their removal. Great. I think he was talking about how that the eye actually benefits from the foot, and the foot benefits from the eye. And obviously, one is lesser and greater in terms of their, their gifts, but not of their value. Thank you for finding that, Tinos. I appreciate that. Point number 13. Now you find it. I should have brought it. I, I always have the book here. And by chance, I did not have it here tonight, so shame on me. Point number 13. Our different gifts work for the greater purpose. Chrysostom says this. The reason is that every one of our members has both a working of its own and one which is common. And likewise, there is in us a beauty which is peculiar and another which is common. And these kinds of beauty appear indeed to be divided, but they are perfectly bound together. 
and when one is destroyed, the other perishes also along with it. I do remember the context here. He was talking about the face and how the eyes make the face beautiful. That if the eye is deformed, the whole face loses its beauty. Right? It was a beautiful comparison of the face that even though there's different parts of the face, they all work in harmony, homily, harmony to give the beauty to the face. That was the context here. I do remember that one. So there's that beautiful image there of how all of us working together, there's this new product now that if we fall short, we affect the whole so I think he even says, if, they, if, the, if the eyebrows come off, it changes the beauty of the face or something like that, if I remember the, the full story. Point number 14, we all suffer loss when we battle each other. So that he who wars with his brother wars with himself. For the injury done reaches not only unto that one, but himself also shall undergo no small loss, right? Because again, we're, we're connected to each other, you know, and if, and if parts of the body start fighting each other, the entire body suffers, right? And unknowingly, we're hurting ourselves, okay? And, and again, this, this sense that we do not live as if we are actually united. I think that's really what the theme is here, week now after week, session after session, is we have to start living the truth of our unity. Not only to start respecting each other more, but also to help each other and to support each other and to not begrudge each other. All right, point number seven, uh, section number seven, point number 15. We need to care for each member of the church. That this then may not be, let us care for our neighbors as for ourselves. And let us transfer this image of the body now also to the church. And be careful for all as for our own members. For in the church there are members many and diverse, and some are more honorable and some more deficient. Yeah, right. What's changed? Remember, this is the year 385, give or take. So clearly, the prime, this is why this has been Bible study is so important for us today. We're still struggling with the same issues that the ancient church struggled with. What plagued the, the, the Christians in Corinth, plagued the Christians in Antioch, and plague the Christians in America, right? And so we have to care for each member of the church for the sake of the church, okay? And, it, it, and remember, caring for others is caring for ourselves. If the church is strengthened by us helping others, then we are strengthened, okay? Spiritually, number one, but also physically sometimes. When the church is strong, then we're able to help each other in our times of needs, even our physical needs. Here's point number 16 is, like a, is, is a historical context here for us. The church used to serve people from the narthex. This is 
when Chris has done pulls these in here, it helps us understand how the ancient church lived. What is meaner than those who beg? And yet even these fulfill a most important office in the church, clinging to the doors of the sanctuary and supplying one of its greatest ornaments. And without these, there could be no perfecting the fullness of the church. Why? Because if they weren't there being served, if there was no one to serve, if they weren't begging, then we would not be able to act in love. Right? But here, the con just to show you that historical context, the narthex was the place where people were served from in terms of the needs. Right? So just give you a brief Orthodoxy 101 refresher. In the great entrance of divine liturgy, right, as it's currently practiced, the priest leaves the altar with the bread and the wine and brings them around the church and then brings them into the altar again for Holy Communion. Originally, all of that stuff was kept in a little chapel off the side of the narthex. As the people arrived for church is when they would leave their offerings to the church. Now today it's basically money when we enter the church. Our offerings are money, but it's also bread, the bread that is used for divine liturgy. Our ladies for Loptokos collects things at the front doors of the church for the current project is for the school system, right? The operation classroom. So it's a very ancient custom at the narthex. As you're coming to worship God, you leave your gifts there for the church then to use to serve other people. And this is evidence that it was going on even in Chrysostom's time. Point number 17. What we have today can come and go. For if from mean and humble persons many have oftentimes become kings, what marvel is it from being great and glorious some have been made humble and mean? Since the former is much uh, the more extraordinary, but the latter of perpetual occurrence, so that one ought not to be incredulous that any of them ever flourished in arts and arms and abundance of wealth, but rather to pity them with great compassion and to fear for ourselves, lest we too should sometimes suffer the same thing. For we too are men and are subject to this speedy change. As many things change, many things remain the same. As they say, easy come, easy go, right? What we have today can just as easily disappear tomorrow. Right? The rise and fall of humanity. This is a perpetual cycle. Um, and as we're going to see in, in a couple of weeks, it's because of the lack of love. But we're not going to get into it now. Chrysostom goes into a big, huge thing about love as we get into chapter 13. All right, section 8. Being afraid of poverty is poverty. Listen to what Chrysostom says here. Poverty seems to you to be a fearful thing and to be dreaded, even to the mere name of it. Yea, and therefore are we poor because we are afraid of poverty. Though we have 10,000 talents, 
For not he who has nothing is poor, but he who shudders at poverty. Look at how Chrysostom has turned the tables on us. It's not the poverty that makes us poor. It's being afraid of poverty that makes us poor. In fact, there have been many studies done in the United States that generosity increases with lower standard of living. The poorer some people are, the more generous they are. There have been studies that, were, that show this. Why? Because they know what it means to need. And so it's not the person who is poor that is poor. It's the person who's afraid of being poor that is poor. To further that point, point number 19, real honor is in how we bear calamities. Since in men's calamities also it is not those who suffer great evils whom we lament and account wretched, but those who know not how to bear them, even though they be small. Whereas he that knows how to bear them is, as all know, worthy of praises and crowns. I just have to shout out to all women here. There's any number of cartoons and memes on the, on the internet that show a sick day for a mother and the mother is still cooking and the mother is still cleaning and the mother is still dressing the children and the mother is still doing everything the mother does with a thermometer in her mouth and the father has a little, uh, a, a, a little splinter in his finger and he's laid out in the bed like he's about to die. So, so true. Right? <laughs> and I thought about this when I'm reading this because that really shows the dignity and the strength and the honor of women, especially mothers, because they bear all that stuff because even when, a, even when a mother is sick, the household has to continue. And it's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying the man should just lay in the bed. I'm not saying that, but it's just, it's just a funny cartoon because unfortunately it ends up being so true. But it's just a shout out to all those courageous women and mothers that even when they have a hundred and something degree fever, they're still cooking and cleaning and making sure the kids are being taken care of while the husband is, oh, I stubbed my toe. Oh, I stubbed my toe. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Point number 20. It would not be a night if we did not somehow defeat the devil, right? Point number 20. The devil wins without a battle when we are afraid. For how can it be that the devil should not henceforth make sport of you, seeing you even before the stroke afraid and trembling at the menace? Or rather, when thou dost esteem this a threat, he will have no need so much as to strike you any more, but leaving you to keep your wealth. By the expectation of its being taken away, he will render you softer than any wax." 
right? So there's the whole being afraid is poverty thing. So this beautiful point that when we allow fear of losing what we have, when we allow that to take over, that's when the devil wins without even lifting a finger. Right? And remember, there is no fear in love. We don't have to be afraid. And that's why those who deal with it and bear their calamities, they're the ones who are honored. So let's not let the devil win. Let's not be afraid of losing what we have. Here today, gone tomorrow. As they say, you can't take any of it with you. Right? And so it's an important thing for us to keep in mind. The only thing I don't, I don't want to lose is my house. I don't like to be homeless. Well, you're not going to be homeless because your daughter has a house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here is our send-off, closing our attack against the devil. Remove the devil's advantage. Lest we then, for our part, suffer these things, let us laugh to scorn the device of the devil. Let us burst his cords asunder. Let us sever the point of, this of his terrible spear and fortify every approach. For if you laugh at money, he has, not he has not where to strike. He has not where he may lay hold. Then have you rooted up the root of evils, and when the root is no more, neither will any evil fruit grow. Obviously here, Chrysostom goes in as he is so oft to do, talks about money and wealth and comforts, and he says, if you laugh at the idea of losing it, then the devil's not even going to fight you. Because if it's not a loss for you, he really doesn't care to take it away, right? And I think that's a great place for us because, again, our contemporary American society, similar to the 4th century Antioch, similar to the 1st century Corinth, a very wealthy cosmopolitan life we all live. Even the poorest of the poor in the United States are better off than most of the world. And so... Chrysostom always brings it back to luxury and comfort because it's something that really kind of limits us and um, ultimately is our destruction. Any questions, thoughts? We have a few extra minutes. We haven't used it all the time. But as we did, uh, thank you for leading our online group. I hope Denise got the answer to the question she had. Remember, we will be together next week, so read homily 31 in advance. The link will be available on my website probably either Sunday or Monday, so you can go there. Or, frankly, if you look at tonight's link and just go back one to, to, the, to the list of homilies, you can go ahead and print those off in advance for yourself. But read the homily in advance, and don't forget to read the um, 1 Corinthians uh, to get that sense of where everything is going. Until next week, God bless you, and don't forget to live a new life in Christ. Be Transfigured is a production of Be Transfigured Ministries in cooperation with the St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Tarpon Springs, Florida. 
We depend upon your generosity to maintain our ministry. You can make a safe online donation when you visit our website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org.